HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons, third generation cure masters producing the country's best dry cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. This is Michael Harlan Turkel, host of The Food Scene. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. It's Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. I'm at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and that means it's time for Tech Bites. I'm Jennifer Leutze, your host, and once a week on Tech Bites, we talk about the intersection of food and technology. It is not sous vide and calcium alginates. That's the Dave Arnold Show, Cooking Matters. This technology is app digital web. Today, we are going to be talking with Julian Meyer, who's the founder of Blurtbox. Julian, thank you for coming out. Thank you very much for having me. It's nice to be back in New York. And today, we are going to start off, like we always do, with an appetizer, like a great meal, where we go around the studio and we talk about different apps that we love and like. And I'm going to start off today with one that is long, long overdue. It is an app called... Bonnie Plants. And Bonnie Plants is one of our sponsors, and we love them. Um, they're big fans and friends of Heritage Radio Network. But I, while I love fresh fruit and vegetables, and I'm in the green market all the time now, and they sell all these beautiful little plants and things, and I do not know anything about growing or have a green thumb. The only plant we have at home is one of those um, lucky bamboo plants, which <laughs> doesn't even have dirt. They just grow in water with rocks. So the Bonnie Plant app is really amazing because um, it's on iPhone and Android is on the way. But the thing that's really wonderful about it is it helps you choose what you want to grow. If you're into cooking and cooking with fresh plants and herbs, you can go to a section that says help me choose. And then it says things like pizza ingredients. Too bad you can't grow the dough. And then you click on it and it tells you that you should be growing sweet basil, Italian oregano, Greek oregano, Italian parsley, all that kind of stuff. So it's really great. Um, Bonnie, B-O-N-N-I-E, plants.com backslash A-P-P if you want to get to it off the web. And they have been around actually since 1918. And I'm happy to say there was actually a Bonnie who had plants in her backyard. So it's really a nice 
true story. Bonnie's not some creation of a marketing genius in Sarasota. In the back of the booth, we're going to get some app contribution from Jack Inslee, who is our engineer and Heritage Radio's executive producer. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you? I'm great. Enjoying these days of summer. Um, my app, if, if you want me to get right into the app, I can do that. It actually happened today. Um, fresh oh, app. Fresh. like Real-time app. That's right. This morning. Um, fax file. This is kind of boring, but um, I guess like maybe obvious to most people, but uh, you can send faxes with your iPhones. I had to send a form over with a fax machine. I obviously don't have a fax machine. <laughs> Not many people do anymore. This place requires a fax, so with a little bit of investigating, I found fax file, and it's uh, as simple as it sounds. Just a place a that requires phone. a fax? It, I mean, outside of like a bail bondsman, what would that be? Well, <laughs> fair enough. Okay, so it's a, it's it's a campsite in um in like the upper peninsula of Michigan where you have to reserve your campground site um, you know. So it's like a rustic camping site. Rustic camping that still has a fax. That's so today that's yeah. actually rustic when they probably got it, they thought it was mm-hmm. super super tech. Exactly. Wow, fax machine. Declan, who is our associate producer, do you have an app for us today? I do, and it's a very basic, easy one. It's the Voice Memos app on the iPhone. Oh, that's one of the preloaded ones? Yes. Um, I was at my other job the other day, and I am always thinking about music when I'm at work because I'm bored at work. And I was humming this melody to myself, and I was like, okay, I'm definitely not going to remember this when I get home because I have to concentrate on other stuff, so I just sang it into my phone and now it's saved on my phone so I can just put it on my computer and I can remember the melody and it's really really awesome and convenient and I'm going to do that all the time from now on whenever I want to remember something so yeah it's worth noting that Declan is a DJ so he wants to remember the tunes that he hums for his creative output later outside of work when he's not bored Um, But for someone who does radio, voice memo could be very interesting. I would ask the gentleman in the booth if the quality of the voice memo recorder is good enough that we could grab quotes out in the wild and then post them to the show. We both nodded our heads. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's surprisingly good. I say that all the time to people. If you're in a pinch and and you've got someone great in front of you and you want to get content, it's really good enough to, to use. That might be something I look to start doing in the future. I can sort of go out into the world with my voice memo recorder and and start stacking up some stuff for the show. Oh, yeah. Exciting. Julian, do you have an app that you like and you are not allowed to say your app? I do. I was actually uh, preparing for this one. I fell in love with this app over the weekend called Wander You. I don't know if you guys have ever used it. Uh, I've been doing a lot of traveling lately, mostly by plane. And I I had to go to Baltimore this weekend from New York. And a buddy of mine said, why don't you try the bus? And I found this app, Wander You, and it searches all the different bus and rail fares. And I actually got to and from Baltimore for $40 round trip on a Greyhound bus with Wi-Fi and power. So I saved wow. about $200 by not taking a plane. So. How do you spell Wander You? Uh, wander and then just the letter U. So 
and there's a little monkey for the logo. Pretty hard to miss, but yeah, really, really, really useful in uh, saving. I mean, saving me a ton of money. So, so it's a travel. It it aggregates all the different fares in real time for you, or something like that. It's kind of like a kayak, but more for auto transportation. So bus and primarily bus, and then they also have just started doing rail transportation. But so it does not work for airplane or cruises or train schedules. Not, it's strictly bus, pretty much. Yet. Yep, and I'm going to use it uh, in two weeks to get to Boston from here. So I found. $60 round trip ticket, which is unbelievable. Especially since Amtrak is really expensive. Yeah. It was, a couple uh, hundred bucks. Yeah, I checked the rail to get to Baltimore and it was 230 round trip, so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So wander, wander you. you. Yeah. There we go. Declan, you might be able to use that one. So Julian was not allowed to talk about his app, which is called Blurtbox. That's B L U R T B O X dot com. And essentially, Julian, I think, is actually the youngest entrepreneur we've had on Tech Bytes thus far. He's 23 years old. And this business is the third iteration of a business that he started in college. Correct? That's correct. That's correct. So the first business that he had, and you're in college down in the Miami area. Uh, Orlando area. Orlando area. So his first business was selling tickets to music events. That's correct. And then the next business was selling coupons to restaurants and bars. That's right. And when that business sort of started to waffle and waver a little bit, you converted selling restaurant and bar coupons into taking customer feedback and then aggregating or packaging that feedback and then selling it back to the restaurants. So in essence, the way Blurtbox works is you download the app, and you can actually, I have it on my phone. We should down, We should open it up and see if Roberta's comes up. Sure. So you go to Blurtbox, you find the restaurant, or you can create an account for the restaurant that you're at. There's Roberta's. There's actually two. We have Roberta's restaurant proper, and then the Roberta's takeout and bakery. And then you give feedback in form of, you know, writing a sentence or, you know, a couple sentences or you write out what your feedback is and then you send it into Blurtbox and then Blurtbox takes it and then gives it to the restaurant. So there are different layers of information. A restaurant does not have to be paying for the Blurtbox service to get the top line layer of feedback. Restaurants then become customers of Blurtbox and pay for the service to get deeper into the data to get more data and to have sort of more robust feedback. So the benefit of this, theoretically, is Yelp and OpenTable and Urban Spoon and all those kinds of public online forums where people are very vocal um, tend to be a little bit showy and tend to be done sometimes for effect versus actual feedback, true feedback. You know, maybe you had a somebody ruined your birthday party, you weren't having a great time, you want to get back at somebody, there must be retribution, so you post this horrible review on Yelp. Is that really helpful to the restaurant? Maybe, maybe not. And typically restaurants and service industry don't really like those kinds of public boards. But restaurants do want to have feedback. They do want to know if you thought the bathroom was clean or if you thought the waiter was doing a good job or how the food was. So This allows people to give true feedback in an anonymous way so that theoretically the restaurant can then sort of improve their service. So how long have you been in business with the app up and running? 
So it's actually uh, it started as a glitch in our old application. So we've had it for about 18 months um, in the college stack. Uh, business model, we had transitioned into a mobile app because we started to realize that a paper coupon book isn't the most scalable business. Um, so around graduation time, it was like, hey, we better figure out what we're going to do. So we got into uh, the application development. And in that application, a student could use a coupon. And for s- some odd reason, uh, the developer that built it had put this feature in that allowed them to leave a comment after a coupon was used. Um, and so when we went around and said, hey, you know, we're not thinking about doing college stack anymore or restaurants, they said, okay, but can we still keep using that comment thing? And we were just kind of like, what are you talking about? What is that? And uh, they showed it to us. So we tested it for about a year just to make sure that there was a business there and that, um, you know, gathering this feedback was actually useful to the restaurants. And what we found was that uh, there really was a big gap in the market. There was Facebook, TripAdvisor, Yelp, all these kind of social sites to, yeah, maybe leave a comment on if you had a really good experience or, you know, maybe bash the restaurant or, um, you know, for a different kind of purpose than to merely give feedback to a business that you actually care about. Um, if you enjoy coming to Roberta's a lot for lunch and, you know, they have a new server that's really ruining the experience for you, it's not necessarily that you want to bash Roberta's and see them go out of business. It's that you want to help them improve so that you can say, hey, listen, I love this place, but I really had a bad experience. Maybe this is something that you could tackle to make my experience better next time. So um, that was kind of how the business started. And the baseline model is really exactly as you put it. It's, it's an extremely simple solution to um, what we found to be a massive problem that there really was no way, in, in no modern way in existence um, to leave feedback privately and directly to business decision makers. And when you say modern way, you mean something that's not the customer survey piece of paper that comes in that comes with your check or a physical suggestion box where you would have to take the time to write something or a letter, or make a phone call or do something exactly. tangible. Having to find the comment box and fill out the comment card, not having a pen these days. And why not make it as easy as possible and quick as possible for the customer to just say, hey, this was my experience today, and share it to the decision maker. So, Do you know where that developer is today who put that comment feature? Yeah, he's actually still our developer on this, so he's that, been with us for a very long time. Very, That's very good to hear. Yeah, yeah it's actually a really nice story, and he's actually a big part of the innovation, so a big thank you to him. I know he's listening now. Well, and for our listeners, we're going to give a big thank you to who the sponsor of our show is. We're at the Midway Breakpoint, and we're going to listen to some new music from Jack and find out who's sponsoring the show. The following program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Well, if you've just tuned in and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on heritageradionetwork.org. And on Tech Bytes, we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is an app and a customer feedback service called Blurtbox. And we're with founder Julian Meyer talking about how uh, his product sort of came into being. It was a happy add-on from his tech developer that they discovered after people started using it. I think one of the interesting things about your product is you are actually selling something that you don't make. People download the app, 
it's free. They can send in their comments anonymously or under their name, and then you in turn turn around, aggregate all that data, and then sell that data to the restaurants. So it's an interesting business proposition to be selling something that you don't make that you kind of don't have control over. So what's your game plan to sort of entice people to make more and more comments and create more and more feedback so you can have more and more customers? Right. Um, so as of right now, the way that business model works is that all that top-level feedback that's delivered, if you were to blurt Roberta's today, um, we create a free account for them. We say, hey, you have feedback waiting. This is what people are saying, and we send it to them. So there's no cost on either party. Um, and what we do internally is at that point, then the monetization comes from if Roberta's wants to reply to you or if they want to promote to you, send you a coupon, um, whatever it may be. That's really where Blurtbox starts to make money. But um, getting the consumer to leave more feedback. What we notice is that getting the uh, feedback from a very positive or very negative experience is relatively simple uh, because that's usually when emotion comes into play and they want to leave these comments. So giving them the outlet to do that um, is more than enough to get those kinds of comments. But what we're working on right now really closely with our initial early adoptive users is hearing feedback from them on what they want to see. And one of the features that um, these early users have told us is they said, hey, you know, when we look on these Google review sites or on Yelp or TripAdvisor, uh, we don't spend a half hour looking and reading the different reviews. We want to see um, the stars and see what's good and nearby us. And so what we started thinking about was uh, adding in a feature to Blurtbox that allows you to just rate merely a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Not bash the restaurant, not praise the restaurant, but just say I had a good time or I had a bad time. And then aggregate that data and push that back to the consumer so that when you're in a new city like Philadelphia or New York or Chicago or wherever it might be, you have honest feedback um, from other users in the form of a very quick and simple way um, of just a kind of more uh, intuitive rating system. So how is that different from any of the other things that I do from the consumer point of view? I'm a consumer. There are so many networks, entities, platforms, and places for me to, you know, give a thumbs up, give a star, or, you know, write a five-page thesis on, you know, why this was the best or worst experience of my life. What is going to make Blurtbox different and entice me to create a new account and download a new app and, and engage in a new feedback platform well it's not right there we're the quickest the easiest and there's no account creation needed so unlike yelp where you have to wait 15 minutes and then get that email uh accept that email and then wait for your review to hopefully be posted um blurtbox you merely download the app it'll prompt you when you're in a location uh whether you had a good or bad experience so uh we usually look we use location-based beacons um to actually prompt the consumers after they've been in a location for about five or ten minutes um, to ask them how their experience was in that location. So it'll pop up. Exactly. Yep. And that's all done through Apple's iBeacon technology. So not when, lo- Once they have the app downloaded, that's then it'll pop up and say, oh, you're at Roberta's. Do you want to say something? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, to actually get you to download the app, what we do is we work very closely with the restaurants that sign up, even the, well, I guess they're all free when they sign up. Um, and what we do is we send those locations individualized collateral packets to display in their location that say, hey, we care about you. Um, leave us feedback using the Blurtbox app. So so how has your growth been thus far? Because uh, your, your customer audience, the consumer audience growth is going to be critical to the success of your business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what we've noticed is that over the last month, we've acquired a 200% gain in users of the Blurtbox app. And that was done through... Um, doing these free collateral packets that we send out to the restaurant. So we're pushing a lot um, on actually setting out these collateral packets, even if it's a free account. Um, and by switching to free, we were signing up about 10 to 15 locations a week um, 
prior to having Blurtbox as a free service. And now uh, with our two new employees that we've hired, we're up, we're up to about 55, 60 locations that we're signing up per week um, to use the Blurtbox app. And now we're also working on deals with Papa John's and Burger King and the larger companies to get them to promote it within their brands, um, which for us is a huge push uh, to get consumers of these fast casual locations as well. So is your restaurant client growth, is it outpacing or keeping pace with your public customer feedback audience growth? So far, it's been going hand in hand, and we'd like to see that growth continue. Um, we put a lot of emphasis on once we sign up a location to get that location to actively use Blurbox. Um, so then you rely on the your restaurant customers to help you grow your consumer pool by hopefully activating their loyal customer base and then the outlying people who had a really bad experience and want to tell somebody <laughs> exactly that's exactly it. so it's really it's a self-fulfilling cycle because uh you know the more that the restaurant's consumers know about blurt box the more feedback that they're getting to maybe get some comments on their atmosphere or on their servers or on the lighting or whatever it may be and the more consumers use it the more restaurants that we get on our end so so consumers are the public has gotten really used to being able to tell businesses, people, the public, their friends and family, minute to minute what they think about an experience and, and have their opinion be valuable in, in some way, shape, or form. When it's out in public, there's that um, emotional component where people feel emotionally satisfied to let the world know what they think and what they do and sometimes get you know a response back from that. But in this scenario, it's anonymous. So in terms of personal satisfaction, that meter probably goes up and down in terms of letting a restaurant know. But again, I'm very fascinated by the idea that you're selling something that you kind of don't have any control over. So, you know, Jack and Declan and I are sitting here and we get a pop-up from Blurtbox saying, oh, you're at Roberta's, what do you think? And we're going to say, oh, you know, I love the pizza. Declan just finished a pizza. It was amazing. Uh, made my day. And you're going to take our feedback and then sell it, Right. Uh, no, that feedback's not sold. That's just delivered to Roberta's flat out, regardless of whether or not they've actually signed up or created an account. We will email them, uh, hey, you have feedback waiting for you. If they don't get back to us, we'll give them a phone call. And if they still don't get back to us, we'll physically mail them their feedback. And then so, what is the deeper then layer that people are? The deeper then is the ability to reply to you, where you say, hey, I had a really bad experience. And now if the owner of Roberta's wants to say, hey, we're really sorry we messed up, here's a $1.99 coupon. That's the feature that they have to pay for to actually get back to their customers. So. so you are then having them, it's being the gatekeeper between their consumer and the restaurant. Exactly. So, but it's still, you need to acquire the public and those consumers in order to have an audience for the restaurants to talk to, which is the part that's fascinating to me. Because as a consumer, I may or may not get anything out of it, but you are going to, you're building a business to profit on, you know, collectively all of our opinions, which is, I think, something pretty new conceptually and also points to how valuable data is today. I mean, can you... Do you, do you have a sense of why data is so valuable today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the biggest things that we've started to notice is that we get comments on both ends of the spectrum, so both positive and negative. 
Um, and what we do differently is rather than taking a long 15, 20 minute survey, which is traditionally what you see from airlines or uh, bigger brands, um, those surveys, they have all these questions because they need that quantitative data to get their bell curves and give actionable insights into their brand. And so what we started noticing was that we would really have a different kind of business model that would be really pretty disruptive if we could take this high-level qualitative data, which has so much meaning into it, and aggregate that data into quantitative metrics so that businesses can actually make um, differences in their operations. So what we do is, if Jennifer goes and leaves a comment, and we get 50 comments this month, our software on the back end will automatically analyze what the sentiments of these comments were. How did the customer feel? Um, are there keywords in here that have to be addressed? So is paint a keyword where maybe the color of the paint in your location is wrong? Or um, is there a problem with the lighting in your location? Are these different issues that could potentially bring you more ROI and keep your customers more loyal? Um, and so what, we're, what we've learned is that Big data gives a lot more than just feedback, I guess. It gives actionable items um, that these businesses can use to actually make improvements that matter to their customers. So they're not really guessing anymore. They're making differences for their loyal customers. You used a big buzzword there when you said disruptor. So much of the food tech space, and I think the entrepreneurial space today, is people looking to disrupt um, a long-standing existing industry with a with a you know smarter way to slice bread. I think. Um, do, do you th- how how big do you think you have to get before you can truly disrupt the big data industry? You know, I think it's a matter of keeping the consumers happy on the front end because the other really big vision for our business is that for years there's been this block, I guess, between consumers and upper-level management. There's chains and chains of management, a day manager, a general manager, before you can even get to an owner. So if we can connect these two parties better, consumers and owners, and give owners a view of the front line and consumers direct access to the people that can make changes in the businesses that they care about, um, that's when we can really make a, I guess, call ourselves disruptors in the space because we're about creating a culture where there's a closer connection between the people that are patronizing your location and the people that you need to stay in business. So that connection for the, from the customer point of view is sort of virtual, though, because they're actually not having any personal interaction. They're interacting with the app, right? Sure. Um, aside from the fact that the owner can then message them back if they're paying for that blurt box level of service. But, um, yeah, that's correct. It's interesting to me that you um, talk about growing the business in a real I would say traditional kind of word of mouth way, you know, going to the brick and mortar restaurant, having them reach out to their customers actually when they're there. Um, the app itself is digital. The social media or, you know, the social media and Facebook, all those other types of entities, do those play a part in your customer feedback growth? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we try and do our best with the resources that we have, um, but it's a lot of organic growth and you know, this is kind of the third time that we've run through building a business almost. And what we've learned is that the best way to grow a business is to make the people that are actually using your business model happy. Um, and so rather than try and use, I guess what we would call more gimmicky growth ways where we know there's little tricks and things that we can do to drive those growth rates up. We'd rather learn from our consumers now while we're still small enough um, to get that feedback and create a product that both the consumers want to use and the business owners want to use. So um, it's an exciting time. There's a lot of change going on, but it's definitely a fun process. What was the thing that has surprised you most so far? 
Um, Is there a, was, did you have a theory that you were completely wrong about or something that really worked gangbusters that you would have never suspected? Yeah, I think what was really interesting was when we made the switch from being a paid service to a free service, um, the difference in the reception we got from the marketplace because as a paid service, you kind of have this barrier um, regardless to any kind of getting into any kind of business. You're trying to get people to pay for a service. And what we noticed is that by making it free um, for all these restaurants is that they started to grasp the concept a lot quicker. And they said, wow, this is great. Why hasn't anybody done this before? This is better than the piece of paper I'm using to ask my customers to leave a comment. Um, and so that was the biggest surprise for me because we kind of always saw it as something that maybe a higher level brand would use, not something that everybody would use. And now we're starting to see, hey, there's really a wider application um, for Blurbox than what we initially saw. So when you say wider application, you're going to, you already are making outroads from the restaurant and food service industry into other types of businesses. Yes. We're branching into mostly hospitality businesses at this point. So um, I have a hotel background. I worked in hotels and restaurants all through college. But uh, what we're noticing is that there's a really, really big application specifically within hotels and catering departments um, as well. So at the end of each show, I always like to ask my guests for a little piece of advice for our listeners. And one of the unique things about you, which I think speaks uh, a great deal to the whole startup and entrepreneur philosophy is you've iterated through a couple different businesses, but sort of always along the same line. And I think, you know, creative thinking, design thinking and tech, it's build a model, get the feedback, you know, improve it, go out again and again and again. So if someone has a business right now or a publishing platform or something like that, that's not quite working how do you recommend they take a look at it and evaluate it and then take a next step forward? I love this question. Um, I would say number one thing to do is to remember that business is about people. It's so easy um, nowadays to hide behind the screen and forget that there's people involved on whatever end of whatever kind of business you have. So remember that your business is about your people. And if something's not working, ask the key people that make your business work, whether it's consumers, whether it's advisors, whether it's employees, sit down and talk to these people because their opinions, their ideas can change your business. And that's what we've learned so many times over and over is that just by talking to people, we can learn so much that we wouldn't have known from hiding behind a computer screen. Um, and the second thing, my favorite piece of advice to give to any entrepreneur, uh, any age, however long they've been doing this, however short they've been doing this is never give up. Uh, you know, for us, it's the most cliche thing that we hear all the time, but it's the true statement uh, for any entrepreneur is you can't give up and you have to keep believing in what you know is going to work at some point. Um, and it's really a matter of timing. So regardless of what people say, regardless of how you feel on a, any given day or week, or even if you're going through a low period uh, in your entrepreneurship cycle, just remember that uh, perseverance is key. That's a great piece of advice that we have heard echoed um, from other entrepreneurs and startup people. Get ready to hear no more than you hear yes, but just Definitely. keep going. <laughs> well, you do have to love what you do. So thankfully, I love the hospitality industry and specifically the restaurant industry. So That's great. And I love being on Heritage Radio Network and being the host of Tech Bites. Well, great. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so it all works out really well. I want to thank Julian Meyer for coming out to Roberta's to talk to us today about his company Blurtbox. Thank if you, you thought it was me. interesting, check out the web and check out the app. 
If you like the show, come back on Monday at 1 p.m. again to listen to Tech Bytes. If you really loved it, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the donate button, and, you know, throw us a couple of bucks, like whatever you spent on your iced coffee today. That would be great, and that would help us make more shows. Until next week, I'm Jennifer Liuzzi. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 